Well, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. My name is Dwayne. This is a ministry uh, that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Hope you're doing well today. We're going to begin our study today in Acts chapter number 14. Uh, yesterday, we left off uh, talking about how the people uh, said that uh, Barnabas and Paul were gods, actually called them Jupiter and Mercurius or Mercury uh, because of the miracle that they performed. And we went into a little bit of background as to why they called them that. Uh, it was based on a, on a myth uh, written by a famous poet by the name of Ovid that everyone there knew about. So today we're going to pick up in verse number 17. Verse number 17. And this is how they responded uh, to being called um, gods. As you'll see here in verse number 15. Sirs, why do ye do these things? We also men are like passions with you. And preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left him, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with joy and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So, Paul, his response to being called gods, uh, you know, he, uh, he says that God has not left himself without a witness and that he's done good and gave us rain and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So he says that God has not left himself without a witness. That speaks of what we call in theological terms general revelation. Um, a general revelation, there's two types of revelation when we talk about um, God. There's what's called general revelation, and there's what's called special revelation. General revelation speaks of a disclosing of information that could not have been known otherwise. Um it is information um, that, matter of fact, the, the, the theological definition of it is God's disclosure of himself in nature as the creator and sustainer of all things. So general revelation comes about through nature, it comes through our consciences, and it comes through history. So let's look at some of these. It comes through nature in Psalm. Chapter number 19, verse 1 through 6, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. See, even nature gives us a general revelation of God. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. In other words, we see God in nature. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Everybody sees general revelation. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is the bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. 
He's speaking of the sun here. And he goeth forth is from one end of the heaven and is circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So even nature declares the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Um, day unto day utter feet, night unto night, we see God in nature. That's what the psalmist is saying. And that's true. I mean, no, nobody walks out. Uh, I mean, you got to be educated, in my opinion, to be an atheist. Because human, our very human nature um, tells us there's something bigger than us. Something created this. This didn't happen by accident. Nobody just walks out and, and looks up into the stars, looks at the, the mountaintops and says, wow, what an accident this is. No one says that. We all walk out and say, something, a creation must have a creator. I mean, that's just, that's logic. Somebody made this. May not know who, but somebody made this. Um, that's nature. That's, that's the general revelation of God through nature. Then also our very conscience is general revelation. The word conscience, cone, is with or beside science. And the word science just means knowledge. In other words, we all have a knowledge of God. Uh, we know. Now, we can't explain it. We can't put our fingers on it, but we know. We have a conscience. Uh, in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, and he's referring to the Mosaic law, the Mosaic law was given to the house of Israel. It was not given to the Gentiles. And he says, the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things that are contained in the law. In other words, just through his conscience, man knows that it's not good to steal. Man knows it's not good to kill. The man, man knows it's not good to put away one wife and take another wife. Man just knows these things. He has a knowledge of these things that is called a conscience. And he says, um, they do by nature the things contained in the law, though they've never even seen the law or heard the law. These having not the law, a law unto themselves. He's talking of their conscience, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, and their consciences are bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or excusing them. Man has a conscience. Man has an inner knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. So conscience is a form of general revelation. Also, history is a form of generation of general revelation. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 9, it says, The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of thee. In other words, people just sees what God has done, how he's, you know, years ago he called a man out from all the race of 
men. And he made special promises to this man, Abraham. And we look back and see how God has dealt with this man and his descendants. It is a form of general revelation, how God has supernaturally protected them at times, how they are hated at times. Why does the world hate the Jew so much? Why? It's almost supernatural, the amount of hatred they have for them. And just looking back at history is a form of general revelation. So again, general revelation is God's disclosure of himself in nature as the creator and the sustainer of all things. That's general revelation. This is what Paul was referring to back in verse number 15 when he said, Sirs, why do you do these things? We... Excuse me, we are also men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should not turn that ye should turn from these vanities to the living God, which made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways, but nevertheless he left not himself without a witness. And that witness is general revelation. He further concludes in Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, that because of that general revelation of loan, it's left man without an excuse. In Romans 1, 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. And of course, the things that are made are is man, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? They are without an excuse. General revelation alone is enough to condemn man. Um, so we see when he says he has left himself, he has not left himself without a witness. One of those witnesses is general revelation. One writer said that general revelation is that natural knowledge of God that is the basis for divine judgment, and no one can escape it. But ultimately, general revelation is not enough. I mean, general revelation, sure. I mean, we look out and we, we see God's creation through nature. And like I said, no one looks, no one can stand at the foot of the Andes Mountains and look up and say, wow, what an accident. You know, I mean, no one is born propagating the Big Bang Theory. No one. You got to be educated to be an atheist. Okay. Uh, our conscience, our conscience screams that there's God. Our conscience screams that there's a right and there's a wrong. And history we look at history, we see God's hand, we see God's finger, especially when it comes to the nation of Israel. We can see how God has supernaturally preserved these people. But general revelation is not enough. While it does indeed point to God, and nature points to God, conscience points to God, history points to God, it is insufficient to reveal the totality of God. It's insufficient to reveal God's ultimate plan, and that is where special revelation comes in. And special revelation is when God reveals himself directly in a special or a personal way. It's God's way of going beyond general. 
to a special revelation. It is, it is, it is information that cannot be learned any other way. Um, it, it can't be learned just by looking at the mountains. It can't be learned just by looking at the stars. It can't be learned just by looking to the inside. First uh, Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It, it's got to be something that that moves from the natural to the spiritual. It moves from the general uh, to the special. It, and, and, it, and it has to be accepted by faith. Uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is special revelation. It is going beyond nature, going beyond conscience, going beyond history. It's the word of God. Swindle, Swindle and Zuck in their commentary point out that it was necessary as that it would have been impossible. And again, this is speaking of special revelation. Special revelation was necessary in that it would have been impossible for Adam and Eve to just look around at God's creation in the garden and have been able to surmise from creation alone what God's will and purpose for their lives was. God had to have eventually communicated with them using words. He, God had to have reached out to them at some point um, through special revelation. So the conclusion would be that the ultimate form of special revelation is the Word of God itself. Uh, for it is the Bible that contains the gospel that's necessary for salvation. Uh, thus is the urgency of getting out that gospel to move man from general to special revelation. Uh, in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, we, we can't learn that through general revelation. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? That's special revelation. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So it is only through special revelation that we are able to learn truth about God that cannot be known or discovered by general revelation alone. So there is general revelation, there is special revelation. General revelation is through nature, through conscience, through history. Special revelation is through the Word of God. Okay. So when Paul says here, in time past, he suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left himself without a witness. How? He did good. He gave us rain, fruitful seasons, filled our hearts with, with food and gladness. So what he's saying here is he's referring back to general revelation. Okay, uh, there. Now notice in verse number 19, <clears throat> Well, verse 18, and with these things, it's like they didn't hear a word he said, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice to them. So they're determined that Paul and Barnabas are gods, Jupiter and Mercury. <laughs> um, 
And then in verse number 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. These certain Jews are these unbelieving Jews. Um, I was talking to someone the other day. It's just, we, we do not make a differentiation between these certain Jews and Jews. We don't make a differentiation enough when we teach the scriptures between believing Jews and unbelieving Jews. These were not the believing Jews. And when I say the believing Jews, I'm referring to the Jews that either accepted the kingdom gospel or had at this point accepted the grace gospel. These are unbelieving Jews that had rejected both from Antioch and Iconium. And remember the troubles that they caused him in those areas. And they persuaded the people. They convinced the people. And, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So notice that these unbelieving Jews followed him from Antioch to Iconium to persuade, to convince the people that Paul needed to be stoned. Now, again, these unbelieving Jews were religious. Uh, they were adherents, I guess, to Judaism, uh, but they had rejected the Messiah. They had rejected the king and his kingdom. They did not believe that Jesus was the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. They had rejected that. And now they see Paul running around saying that salvation's come to the Gentiles. And that's why they're after him. How dare he preach salvation in any way to the heathen? And they hated him for it. They had a virulent hatred for him. And they actually followed him around like little groupies. <laughs> and, and had him stoned. Now, in regards to the stoning, and uh, I don't know how far I'm going to get into this today, but in regards to the stoning, most people believe that this is what Paul was referring to uh, when he spoke in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, he said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Now, the timeline between this event here in Acts 14 and when he's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 pans out. It, it's, it, it's, he seems to be speaking of this event that happened when he was stoned at Lystra. As he's writing here to the Corinthians, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Now, whether in body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. It appears that Paul is referring to this event when he was stoned. Uh, and he says he, he doesn't know if he was alive or dead when it happened, but he was caught up into the third heaven. And I'll close with this and we'll get into the rest tomorrow. But the Bible speaks of three heavens. Uh, the atmosphere where the birds fly, uh, the stars and the planets, and the abode of God. And we call those the first, the second, and the third heaven. First heaven is where the birds are. Second heaven is where the stars are. The third heaven is where God is. And he says specifically here, I was caught up into the third heaven. So in other words, I was caught up into the abode of God. So, uh, go ahead and read uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 3 through 6, 7 through 8, down through verse number 9, and we're going to comment on those 
uh, tomorrow when we get together. So uh, I've got some meetings this morning, so I've got to run off. But God bless you guys. Good to see you, brother. Hope you have a great day. And um, remember always, God loves you, wants best for you. It's working all things out for your good.